Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We are your hosts, Marlene Stemmy and Andy Laker. How are you doing today, Andy? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to this episode discussion. We are already on episode 19 of season two of Cheers. This one is Coach Barry's A Grudge, and it was written by David Lloyd, directed by James Burroughs, and it aired on February 16th, 1984. The log line or episode summary is that Coach has been out of town in Phoenix for the funeral of one of his close friends from his baseball days, a man named T-Bone Scarpeggioni. And Sam mentions several times in the bar that he doesn't think much of T-Bone. And he finally reveals to Diane that the reason for his dislike is that T-Bone once hit on Coach's wife a long time ago. And Coach, who's been planning a memorial for T-Bone at Cheers, overhears this information and is too angry at T-Bone's betrayal to memorialize his one-time friend. Sam and Diane try to convince Coach to forgive T-Bone, which he's finally able to do at the end of the memorial service. And that's pretty much, there are a few other things going on, but that's pretty much the bulk of the story. Mm -hmm. We start with a teaser that, you know, part of which comes back in the episode. Overall, it's on its own, but the, the, the gift that we'll learn about in a moment comes back in a later scene. So Sam comes in and Diane gives him a gift and she says that she's trying to make up for last night. And Sam just kind of, he's quietly says that no man likes to be laughed at at that particular moment. Diane says she couldn't help it. He looked like a flounder. (laughs) And the gift is, she says, an Icelandic snowflake rag wool sweater. I believe that's what she called Mm -hmm. it. And Sam, you know, at some point in this, he says, like, I'll be darned. I don't remember if it's when he gets the sweater or a moment later, but I I really love it when Sam says that. It's just kind of an old-fashioned expression that, that I like from him. But of course, you know, Diane got Sam a gift that interested her. She says that she found it in a catalog, which I thought was funny because she said that it was to make up for the night before. So she clearly had it in mind, I guess, before the night before. She you know, convinces him to try it on and says that, you know, they won't laugh at him. No one in the bar will laugh at him. And she announces that Sam is going to model his new sweater. <laughs> and there's a little like, moment on the side when Norm says that he has goosebumps. He's talking about having goosebumps, you know, because Diane's making a big deal about this. <laughs> I love then, those moments when he's just so sarcastic and snarky. I know. And then Cliff says there's nothing in his horoscope about that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I felt like that. That, to me, was my favorite part yeah. of the entire teaser, was the two of them carrying on about this. Definitely. On the side. <laughs> yeah, so the sweater, Sam comes out, the sweater comes up to his chin, and Diane laughs and says she's never seen a flounder in a sweater before. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about most of this. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of mean-spirited and just is going to be a little prudish. I feel like it's a bit risque, even for Cheers. Like, it's the most private mm-hmm. sexual reference that's made on the show, I think. Mm. So, I don't know. What did you think of it? Um, aside from the Norman Cliff bit, um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel... I, I feel like it was clumsy. Like, the whole setup was for this goofy-looking sweater. She takes all this strain to say, don't you laugh, N- nobody laugh at him, yeah. and then she laughs. And it's it's like, was it set up just so you could do that? I, I don't know. I guess I was, I was a little confused by what her intention was in the scene. So I get your what you're saying about being mean, mean-spirited. Well, just like the whole thing that they're having this discussion somewhat openly in the bar about about their private life, I guess, too, right. you know. 
And then, yeah, and then, like, she sort of makes it an even a more open thing when she's laughing at him wearing the sweater in front of everybody. But salvaged by Cliff and Norm. <laughs> yeah. Is what I would say. So we start the episode. TV's on the blink. It goes to the herringbone patterns that TVs used to have back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, right? <laughs> back in the yeah, 80s, you know. And Sam calls Carla to fix it because Carla kind of is known – you know, I would say throughout the show for being electronically savvy, and she's the one that kind of can kind of get the the TV to work or hook up the cables and all these things. Mm-hmm. But all she does here is threaten the TV into working. But it, it does the job, you know. Mm-hmm. And so Cliff then mentions, you know, like she essentially could what she could do to try this for Norm. Says he's lost his zest for life. He seems to have lost his zest for life. And then Norm explains that Vera has been out of town visiting her parents in one of those rectangular states. <laughs> which it's not a bad description like i can see if you're living in boston i mean i don't know you'd hope that you would know there's there's a lot of rectangular states a lot of rectangular states yeah it's true they're far away if you're in new england (laughs) and he talks about how um vera's parents aren't so fond of him since he's been out of work Mm. it's a little part there and then there's a little part later you know with vera that we'll come to so Sam is like making drinks. He's getting behind. And then he tells us that Coach has been out of town in Phoenix for his best friend's funeral. And it was T-Bone Scarpeggioni, who was Coach's teammate in the minors, and then a fellow coach with Red Sox. And Sam says he didn't go because he never cared for the guy. And at some point in this, Carol is like, let's face it, tasting people isn't your strong point. So she gets in a, a good Diane jab Yeah, there. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. So right off the bat, we're learning that Sam doesn't like this person, and we don't know why. And Sam's not usually one to judge or dislike anyone, so something's up. Mm -hmm. And Diane's asking what Sam doesn't like about T-Bone. And Sam goes into all these characteristics that he actually shares with T-Bone, like the (laughs) never passing a mirror without looking at himself and thinking he's God's gift to women and so forth. It's interesting to me because these are all these things that, you know, again, that he does, but they're surface characteristics. And... You know, not to like get too analytical too soon, but Sam's surface characteristics don't always match his interior, which I think is what we see in this episode. Because I think that Sam, in general, is kind and generally well intended. You know, but we're kind of learning from this episode that this T-bone person is not. Mm-hmm. Diane's holding up a mirror, and it prompts Sam to check his hair, of course. And then you know, he explains that there's a difference between thinking you're God's gift to women and knowing it. So that's how <laughs> he sees himself as different than T-bone. Yeah. And, <laughs> There's a moment there, too, when he, like, he takes one last little look in the mirror and smiles to himself you know, <laughs> before he walks away. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's all fun. And then Coach comes in. He has this kind of almost life-size cardboard cutout of T-Bone. He says something about how having the cutout of T-Bone will be like having his old buddy back with him. And Sam says it will be a lot better. So, again, like Sam is kind of really running this like dislike thing hard i would say and diane asked how the funeral was and coach says it was actually kind of gloomy which i don't i mean it doesn't seem like it should be funny but there's something about the way coach says it that's that is funny because you'd think like that is kind of a dumb question you know how is any funeral right obvious question yeah 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 coach is saying you know they didn't say much about the real t-bone they get into this discussion on how they should have had the funeral in Boston because, you know, the people in Phoenix didn't even know why they called him T-Bone. And I believe at this point Diane asked why. And Coach, you know, doesn't know, but he was hoping to find out in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. So Diane says she has a wonderful idea. Now, at this point, 
you know, we've seen a number of ideas that Diane has had that are on behalf of other people, and they often turn out poorly. So I feel like we can kind of see where this episode is going to a degree that Diane has had this wonderful idea. Did you have that same thought? Like, here's Diane with another idea. Oh, here's Diane, another idea, another meddling, another, you know, Mm -hmm. Diane's going to... yeah honor the dead here she's gonna do a memorial <laughs> and she's gonna do a speech and yeah it's it's just another one of her you know to the rescue kind of moments right i hate to sound so but cynical about to... it i realize that sounds cynical but um no, yeah it is it, she way, definitely though. has that theme recurring doesn't she yeah like wonderful idea that norm should do sam's taxes you know that, that sort of thing there's always some right. wonderful idea on how people should arrange themselves and it, it, i mean it's well intended you know and no one yeah. Initially is disagreeing. So she suggests having a memorial at Cheers and inviting T-Bone's buddies. Sam thinks a bunch of guys mourning isn't good for business. And then Carla, of course, reminds him that if they're mourning, they're drinking. So he <laughs> says it's a great idea. And we have this little scene of Coach and Diane. And he's she's apparently written some thoughts for his speech. I liked this. I liked this, you know, the kind of the back and forth of him describing what he like what turns out to be T-Bone's not so great batting performance and kind of a cruel sense of humor but Diane is translating all of it into like higher brow language. So, yeah, yeah, I liked this the the exchanges that the two of them had. I thought this was a well it was a funny but it was also a well-written scene and kind of you know the the going back and forth on on just the right word choice and however you wanted to sky. I thought it was very clever. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. And so then we go back to the next part of this Norm storyline. Sam answers the phone when Vera calls, and he says, "Some I think he says, I've heard a lot about you. So this must be the first time that Sam has talked to Vera. <laughs> and I noticed that you know Norm says he'll take the call, and Sam is kind of watching fondly as Norm talks, Norm talks to Vera, but he breaks his attention for a moment to look at a woman walking by, which is kind of a deft character moment. I mean, it's one of those, like, you can you know blink and miss it, and it doesn't really mm-hmm. you know hinder enjoyment of the episode, but... It was just a kind of a Sam thing to do. Apparently Vera, you know, Norm says that he tells Vera he missed her and Vera says she never left. And then, <laughs> which is unbelievable, but Norm is surprised, but he says he thought he heard someone in the John this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he wondered, he didn't investigate. It, it makes it, it makes them sound like they live in a huge mansion, right? Where they have his and her wings of the home, wings you know? Of the, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hard to tell if that's sincere because it's like, I don't know, like over the course of the series, I think that you can also wonder, like, are Norm and Vera making up this entire, all these shenanigans about their marriage? Like, maybe she's doing the same thing, and maybe they're just kind of in cahoots messing with her friends or something. I don't know. It's fun to think about, though. Yeah. (laughs) Diane is talking about this photo of T-Bone on the cutout and says that T-Bone doesn't look vain in this and asks him, sorry, asks Sam if this does him justice, the photo does him justice. And Sam says only a firing squad would do him justice. It's a very unsam thing to say, and it, so. it really does. Um, I don't know. What, I I will, don't want to get you know this too early, but um, no, it's good. It does seem like a lot of the characters' reactions to this guy are a little extreme for what he did. Mm. I hope that doesn't sound bad on me saying, but you know, like 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 a firing squad. Over what yeah. we find is actually what he did. I mean, I, I get that it's, you know, it's meant to be funny. I get that. But it, it does seem like throughout these, the characters and their reactions to him are a little bit disproportionate to what he did that made them so angry. You know what I mean? That's interesting. I, I do. I See, I didn't think that only a firing squad would do him justice line was supposed to be that funny. I, 
I think it's more yeah uncomfortably funny. Right. I mean, it wasn't um, laugh out loud funny at all. So in but yeah, I, but Sam is like clearly maybe not angry, but he's not morally indignant either. I don't know how to describe it. But Sam is he's obviously like he's offended um, on well he's like offended on Coach's behalf, right? I mean, like like can you imagine someone mm-hmm. would do such a thing? You know, and it's yeah. And he just obviously doesn't think much of him as a man. Right. He says, you know, there's something sleazy about T-Bone that no one else knows. And Diane threatens, you know, another sweater on him if he doesn't tell her. So he (laughs) tells her that a long time ago, Coach was out of town and T-Bone made a play for Coach's wife. And, of course, T-Bone didn't get anywhere. But he says that Coach's wife told him, Sam, because he had to tell someone after keeping it a secret for so long. I thought that was interesting that Coach's wife told Sam that secret. Because it kind of speaks to, like, a trust and a goodness in Sam, mm-hmm. you know, as well as how close Coach and Sam must have been for Coach's wife to confide in Sam. Mm-hmm. Right. And I sort of wonder if that's part of the reason why Sam is taking this, like, so seriously. It could be. Because of that relationship. Yeah. Especially so. since, you know, she's she's now deceased. So there's also that mm-hmm. that element of, of that, I think. So, yeah, that's a good right. point. Like, yeah. Because yeah. you can't go back and, like, make you know, any sort of amend for that or work that out, bring any kind of conclusion or closure to it. So it makes more sense to me that Sam would be as upset as he is, I guess. And then, you know, Diane has this bit about saying even Sam wouldn't make a play for his best friend's wife, which I thought was callous of her to say. (laughs) But, you know, he thanks her. And he says, oh, gosh, this is awful, but I think he's just messing with her. He says that he can't take all the credit because most of his friend's (laughs) wives are real uggos. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I think he's just downplaying the whole thing, but it's funny. So, of course, Coach has been in – they're back in the hallway talking, you know, to be out of earshot, I guess. But then Coach comes out of the men's room, which is where he's been, and he's heard them talking. So, you know, Carla asks where he wants to put the cutout of T-Bone. She's holding this cutout, and Coach punches it. So then Carla grabs Diane yeah. and asks Coach where he let <laughs> Diane to stand. That was a really good response. That was a great – that was a good moment. Yeah, that was no. spot on. And then Coach tells Sam, you know, we come back and Coach tells Sam he hates T-Bone. And, you know, Diane is talking about how he, Coach has to find a way to put all this behind him, that both Angela, his wife, and T-Bone are in heaven now. I think this is the funniest, probably the funniest line of the whole episode is Norm. He's like, let's hope he's not hitting on her up there. <laughs> <laughs> and then his response to when everyone is look, giving him the side eye, right? Like, how could you say such a yeah. thing? He just, like, shrugs it off like, well, you know. And you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, it's a concern. <laughs> it's a concern. I'm just bringing it up. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm, I'm saying what we're all thinking. So, yeah, we have this discussion next about how, you know, Coach says a man and a woman shouldn't keep secrets from one another. He says he wishes Angela had told him about T-Bone, which I get, like, what, along with what you're saying, I think that's part of it is that Angela is dead. And so there's, you know, Coach can't have that discussion with her now probably as part of the, mm-hmm. the, the emotional issue. But Diane doesn't agree about not keeping secrets. She says that in the totally fantastical event that Sam was to come to temptation and basically cheat on her, she'd prefer to remain oblivious. Um, All right, let's get into the obvious um, um, 180 here, right? Because Mm -hmm. uh, episode 18, uh, Snow Job, (laughs) the episode preceding this episode, we get into a moral diatribe. Uh, from Diane Chambers on how honesty is the key to a long-lasting, successful relationship. And once honesty right. goes and trust goes, it's you're done, right? And so mm-hmm. here we are talking about how, you know, I wouldn't want to know if you... Whatever. 
<laughs> right? I mean, I don't right. buy it for a minute. It was not convincing at all. No, because she's called it a crime of the soul, I think. Like, you know, we talked about these dramatic yes. terms in which she discussed any sort of, like, betrayal or dishonesty in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Not, not even about an affair or a betrayal. You know, it could just be something that's... A casual lie. Like, we don't, because she doesn't know at that point exactly how big a lie Sam has told or whatever. You know, he doesn't know the situation entirely. Whereas here, she is flat out saying, like, that he could have an affair and she wouldn't want to know. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't buy it. Do you? Mm hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't buy that she would actually think and feel that way if it ever happened. No, not at all. Yeah. I don't. Now, whether in that moment she thinks she's being honest and somehow being. Oh, I think she is in the moment. Know. I mean, sure. I'm not. I don't think I she's think saying she anything she's as saying. a lie. I, yeah, I don't think she yeah. realizes it. Um, and I think we've seen yeah. that as a pattern in the character, right? You know, she's going to. Mm-hmm. She means it. She's not lying at all. She she definitely, you know, thinks she believes what she says. But I think she does it in a way to. I don't know. On one hand, maybe we could say she's a very empathetic character and that she can put herself easily in people's position and think she knows the right thing to say in certain times and everything. You know what I mean? And so she's projecting herself into this situation and thinking she would know what she would want when everything else we know about her as a character says otherwise, you know? I don't know. So are you thinking that she was projecting herself into like coach and his wife's situation? I think so. She was probably, yeah, I think, I think I don't, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a well-intentioned thing, but it does Mm -hmm. come off as, as hypocritical. I think when, again, the episode immediately before this, we had her talking about honesty in a relationship and here is an example of, well, Angela wasn't, wasn't honest. I, I don't necessarily think that's, the case either but you know on paper it looks like you know she withheld this piece of information which goes against diane's you know previous speech about how honesty has to be there and everything so right i don't know it's kind of all over the place you know yes it is and i think too that i never got the sense of empathy and i think part of that could be because it so immediately switches to sam and diane Mm-hmm. Because when she's talking about how she would, you know, want to remain oblivious, Sam immediately is like, you got it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> goes on about his business. And then so now she's suspicious. And so she's thinking about that relationship, not about Coach and Angela. Mm-hmm. So she's thinking he has something in mind and he says that he doesn't. So that's kind yeah. of, it leaves her a little bit in the lurch, I guess. But by her own doing, I would say. Mm-hmm. People start to come in for the memorial. This kind of friendly person, Artie, comes in and asks when Coach heard the shocking news about T-Bone. And (laughs) this is another of those, you know, sort of mistaken intent or mistaken interpretation conversations. But I still think it's funny and well done. Yeah. So Because Coach says he's within the John and he overheard Sam and Diane, (laughs) which obviously is not what Artie was asking. And he seems surprised that Artie knew about this. And Artie's like, of course, it's in all the papers. Afternoon Edition even had pictures. (laughs) So Coach is, like, flipping out. Sam's trying to tell Coach that he's talking about T-Bone dying. So, you know, as in the past, Sam is sort of having to explain what's really going on in this instance to Coach. But it reminds me, for one of the time in season one with the baseball player, that Diane was going to teach him about meditation, but he had been previously talking about sex. Yes, yes. (laughs) And Diane would not, you know, let go of her, what she thought was the the interpretation, (laughs) and Sam's trying to warn her and so forth. But, you know, so this was kind of another one of those things, but I enjoy that. I think they do them well, and especially with Coach. He played it very innocently. Yeah. 
so Sam takes Coach into his office because he's Coach is kind of losing his mind, and Diane starts to follow them because of course she thinks that Sam is not going to be able to have these conversations without her to help. Coach says he talks about how he loved T Bone like a brother and that T Bone betrayed him. And he tells a story about their baseball days and telling the front office that if they sent T-Bone down to the AA club, that they'd have to send him too. <laughs> and then Sam says, I'm like, as I recall, you kind of liked it down there too. Which I love that they had Sam say that because it's like, you know, obvious that the front office took Coach up on that offer. Yeah. You know, he wasn't able to bluff yeah. out of it. <laughs> I thought that was, it was like a fun, you know, fond moment, I thought, really. Funny. Can I interject something here? Oh, please um, do, yes. I, I really did enjoy it when Sam booted Diane out of the office the way he did it. it, mm. it it's just like, get out of here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean? it was immediate. It was <laughs> immediate. And he, he, I mean, he didn't like, you know, I, I don't know what. He didn't push her. Or anything, yeah, but, but it was. It was just like, you know, she's in there and all of a sudden, whoop, she's over here. And I, I just really liked she just how <laughs> she looks stunned, like surprised, like, what? Yeah. You know? Part of me cheered when that happened, I have to say. I know. I was kind of like, yeah. Me too. Because, you know, she just had that big old assumption that, oh, Sam can't do anything on his own. I have to help him. And it's just like, oh, God. Just inserting herself into every situation. I mean, granted, she was part of the previous conversation. I'll I'll give you that. But still, just that whole assumption of just waltzing in there and everything. I don't know. I I really laughed when he got her out of there. I didn't. It was he. He kind of ejected her. It wasn't even like he asked her to leave. No, it was just no, bam. He just you know, she booted her out. She <laughs> immediately booted out. Yeah, and still carrying on. You know, but he mm-hmm. booted her out. I agree. Yeah, that was funny. So Sam is trying to tell Coach that T Bone like lost his head once, and Coach is going to have to accept it and forgive him. He's trying to cheer Coach up, so he puts on the sweater. It's like, don't I look like a dink? He's doing all he can to make Coach feel better, I guess. It's an interesting point that Coach makes because, you know, he's saying that for all these other people that knew about this, that it was in the past. But for him, it's like it just happened, which I think is really a true point. He's just found out about it at this point. Somewhere in here, Sam, I guess, thinks he's not getting anywhere because Coach is still, you know, like upset by this and so forth. So he kind of knocks on the door. And then Diane is apparently still right where he put her, right outside. So she comes in. To ostensibly help. And then she talks about Coach, you know, like working through his feelings and so forth, and sets up this role play of Sam playing T Bone. And I liked the, what they did with this with some of the comedy mm-hmm. of Sam playing T Bone. Like Coach trying to teach him how to impersonate T Bone, like with a specific way he'd wipe his nose and <laughs> all of that. I thought mm-hmm. that was a good comic relief moment. Yeah. And then he says, he goes on as T Bone and says that he lost his head around Coach's wife. And he kind of makes up this. Um, explanation that coach had this wonderful wife and it was something he'd never had and so forth so I don't know I I kind of I appreciated Sam trying I don't think it worked but I appreciated the explanation that he gave right the coach says at some point he says he can't forgive T-Bone the only way to get even is to go out and basically give the speech doing him in in front of everyone did you have any other thoughts on that office scene not really nothing that stood out Mm -hmm. um, other than what you've said again I, I can understand, obviously, why Coach would be mad. I, I, I don't think Coach's reaction is disproportionate, given that he just found out about, you know, this mm-hmm. thing that, that happened years ago that he never knew about. But I do think, as we'll talk about in the next scene with kind of the mob scene, I, I like to think of it as the mob scene where people just kind of get irrationally yeah. angry and all these voices as one. Um, in that scene, I, some of what they say does seem disproportionate to what he did. 
but um, no, nothing more. I mean, I you empathize with Coach, I think, in here, you know, learning this, and it's obviously deeply troubling for him, um, mm-hmm. I think, in relation to, you know, his wife having passed and everything like that. So it made me right. think, actually, yeah. it made me think back to um, – the scene that coach had with his daughter back in season one. Um, And they were, I mean, obviously very different circumstances here, but they were talking about um, his wife, her mother, and just the, the level of esteem that they held her in, you know, it's clear that he obviously, obviously loved her very much. And so, Mm -hmm. and then kind of held her up on this pedestal and he's kind of, you know, had something come about and shaken that. So I, I, I think it played off very well with him as, as an actor. And I think that the sense of retribution that he has, it makes sense because of that, you know, because he says the only, basically like his only process, and he doesn't say retribution, but his only prospect of retribution against Tebow, and that's the only thing making him feel better, essentially, because mm-hmm. Diane and Sam were trying to talk him out of it and so forth. And Coach goes up to the podium, and this whole scene, I think it's really genuine. I think it's there's an awkwardness to it as well. You know, when he starts to talk and he's saying that, like a dramatic awkwardness, I guess, because he says like the thing about T-Bone Scarpeggioni was a son of a, and he kind of tries and tries twice to call T-Bone a son of a bitch, but he ends up saying that he was a son of an immigrant. <laughs> and yeah. then at that point, you know, it, you know it's going in a different direction and it's, I feel like it's kind of gotten to be a little bit poignant because you know that Coach is apparently unable to throw this guy under the bus and, you know, like yeah. really lay into him. So it's like the better part of his nature is coming out. But then we have this line. It's like, and like most immigrants, he was a human being. And at first, it also sounds poignant. Like, because he's talking about the humanness and that's how it goes on. But the audience kind of titters with laughter. And so then I start thinking about the line, like most immigrants, he was a human being. Yeah. And I don't think Coach meant that in an insulting way, but it, no. I don't know. It's, it's hilarious coming at that point, too. <laughs> yeah. So, and then he talks about human beings make mistakes and aren't perfect. And how it's, you know, he says, like, it's not a mistake to love someone and forgive him no matter what his shortcomings. So we're kind of getting into territory that's, I don't think that we've really seen too much of since maybe early season one, where there's just sort of like a almost like baldly emotional scene that's not played for laughs. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, Artie comes up to Coach, and he said it was beautiful, and it almost made him forgive T-Bone for what he did. And so we have this whole reveal about T-Bone basically going after most of the guy's wives. And then the one man that says that they all got off easy, that T-Bone had borrowed $500 from him and never paid him back. And then, you know, Artie asks how it's worse than going after their wives. And the guy says, I've seen your wives. <laughs> Which is, it's almost like a norm joke, and it's almost like what Sam said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, in the hallway. Right. It's like a little, you know, comic relief there. And they're having this conversation. So this is the part, I guess, you're talking about when you're talking about this, sort of this mob mentality, you know, that's building. Yeah. This mob scene. And how they should be, they're talking about how they should be dancing on T-Bone's grave. And Sam steps in. He's, you know, kind of talking about how they should get past how T-Bone was in life and remember how he is now. And <laughs> says, dead. And I don't think that he meant that, like, in a you know, a way of like being happy that he's dead, but just kind of an appeal to forgiveness. And then we have this whole thing about hanging him in effigy. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good line. (laughs) Yeah, coach is like, to hell with that. Let's hang him right here in Boston. (laughs) 
And then they run out the door and go up the stairs. Aside from Sam and Diane, I would say, everybody else is kind of becoming more, kind of falling into this mentality, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're Mm -hmm. focusing on these transgressions that T-Bone has committed against them. Right. So they run out the door and they start to go up the stairs and Diane kind of mouths to Sam to do something and he's sort of at a loss at this point. She goes to the podium and starts to sing Amazing Grace. And at first I was like, this is really awkward. And a bit pretentious as well, or more than a bit pretentious. But then when the guys come back in the bar and they're hearing her sing and they join her, it kind of, I don't know, I felt like it was sort of communally redemptive. Yeah. It was, I mean, no. it was a, it was a good, like you said, it definitely started off and you're wondering where it's going to go. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is, it does kind of work. And, and it's funny because, it, again, there's that, that juxtaposition of many different things here. Number one, I, I wrote down, you've got a real roller coaster of emotions here, you know, from, yeah. from going from this very serious, solemn, you know, coach kind of speech and everything. And then, you know, the mob kind of builds and it kind of builds to this crescendo. And then all of a sudden you have Diane singing Amazing Grace, like, like it's a, like a mm-hmm. true wake or something. And it, it's kind of, it's, it's all over the place. And yet it does kind of work, you know, it kind of comes together. Um, she's got a good voice. She's got a really good voice, actually mm-hmm. a great singing she voice. Does. So yeah, I don't know exactly why it works, but it kind of does. It kind of actually pulls it together at the very end there and it ends on a good, on a good note, I think. And you also have like Sam and I think Cliff and then Carla and Norm are watching and they're not exactly awestruck, but they're watching kind of with a, like they're paying attention, you know, like nobody's making a joke. Like they're just kind of like watching what's happening and attending to what's happening. And I think that it is that roller coaster of emotion from, from coach, you know, and his kind of very quick emotional journey to this whole, you know, like the mob scene and so forth. And then her singing Amazing Grace and the nature of that song and the way they're all standing there, I think that's, I mean, it's kind of a, it's sort of a song, the song fits what's just happened. So, yeah, I think that that really works at the end. I feel like it's, it was well done to play it authentically rather than for laughs and to just kind of like let it end, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really thought that that ending was kind of one of the few, I would say like genuinely spiritual scenes I've seen on TV, even if it's. You know, there are parts of it that are a bit clumsy at the start, but I do think it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with it. By, by the time it was done, I mean, it might have been clumsy throughout the execution, but it ended on a good note and it worked for, for me. It worked for me. Mm-hmm. What else did you think about this? We well, I want to go back to my first point, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to kind of rethink it, honestly. But I, I, I did think when I was watching this that going off just what we know, you know, he made a pass at a, a play, whatever, at um, Coach's wife. Nothing happened from what what we're led to believe. He he did that, and and again, he was kind of you know we're led to believe up and before we even learned that that he was kind of a womanizing type, and you know he thought he had this right. swagger and everything, and so he flirted with, made a pass at whatever um, Angela, and then you know you have Coach's reaction, which again I think given the relationship that they had it it you know it doesn't seem like he's overreacting i never thought that what did seem to me mm-hmm. what what the, what came to me as an overreaction was at the mob scene when they're saying and and sam had said earlier about you know the firing squad and and then let's burn them in effigy yeah. and all this and and it kind of you know and and sob and everything like that it it seemed a little bit disproportionate to what the guy did at least up to that point that we knew about 
okay, the fact that he was, that he did kind of make these passes, it sounds like he was just kind of a a pig, right? Or, or whatever. But to, you know, I don't know. It just seemed like some of the lines they were saying was, were a little, un, a little out of whack. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. That's interesting. But. Well, okay. So I have, well, I have two initial thoughts. One of them, like from the end, is that I, the impression that I get, and it's mainly from Artie coming in and talking to Coach and talking about, he's talking very positively about T-Bone and being upset that he's dead. And I don't remember what else he said, but like basically if he's a friend, it's shocking. He's, yeah, the shocking news about T-Bone and so forth. And then he's the first one to say something to coach at the end about this like terrible thing that T-Bone has done. So I'm assuming that even though he knows and these other men know T-Bone's behavior and, you know, him harassing their wives or whatever, hitting on their wives, it's almost like they found out about it, that it wasn't just them. And so I think, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but there's a different mentality, I think, if you think that something has just happened to you and like, well, why did that happen? Like, why did this person do that? And was it really, is he really that bad a guy? Was it just a one-off instance and that sort of thing? But if you find other people to whom T-Bone in this instance has behaved the same way, you start to build this larger picture of his character and that he wasn't a good person. And so I think that that's part of it, too, is they've all kind of had this realization together and they've all been maybe keeping up a front all those years mm -hmm. of like, oh, T-Bone's a great friend and sort of maybe suppressing that he wasn't. Right. So that's my the first thing I would think is like, well, you know what I mean? Like if you're around and then it's like the emotion generates into this like angry mob, which is not good. Like them being able to realize and admit what he was really like probably would be a good thing. But the fact that it devolves into this like mob, violent mob mentality isn't good. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's part of it. Just the way that they, this group came together after already sort of said to coach what had happened like one person lets it out and then everybody else is like oh yeah he really was that way and then the other thing i think is that sam really sets this up the fact that sam is upset about it and sam disapproves so thoroughly of him i think puts you in that same mindset of this must not be a good person mm -hmm. right it's almost like you're trusting sam's judgment of his character from the mm. beginning and so you have that preconception going in that this must have been something that wasn't just like a casual mistake that he's made. Right. So because of those things, like I've, I kind of found it more believable that they were as upset as they were about mm -hmm. how T-Bone was as a person. And then also like the funny scene with Coach and Diane, you know, at the table. And at first Coach is like saying these things that sound positive and then he's like, how he could reduce someone to tears, you know, and his humor was really cruel and that type of thing. So mm -hmm. that kind of goes from being you know, like a kind of very positive to kind of like, oh, it's just kind of a guy thing or whatever into something that's, you know, he's actually not a nice person. Yeah, I, I get that. Like he's 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 constantly revising his opinion of of his old friend, right? Yeah. And and but yeah. I take your point about you know what we would call like mom mentality. You know what one person would feel about somebody like T Bone, and then again mm -hmm. when you learn, oh, it's been this way with everybody, and it does kind of become like this. I don't know, like it, you're, the feelings get built up, right? And it becomes this little storm of, of mm -hmm. everyone like, oh, he did this to you, he did this to me too. And it, and it kind of takes on a life of its own, which I think is yeah. what you see happen, um, which again, basically the definition of, of mob mentality when it becomes the action of a group, right? So yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't want to obviously downplay what, what, what he did, but when initially yeah, I, mean, I, I see 
Sam's, you know, feelings, you know, for him and how he clearly dislikes the guy. I almost kind of thought that maybe he had done something worse than I thought he did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, I think it was the firing squad comment that really threw me off. Like, oh, yeah. what did this guy do? Oh, okay. You know, and it, it just wasn't, I guess, what I was expecting. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I think it's to whom he did it as well. I think yeah. it's because it was Coach and his wife. Exactly. Yeah. Made Sam more emotional, not just the behavior itself. But yeah, I mean, that was a dramatic thing, especially for Sam to say. Another thing that I thought about, because like, there's a lot of, with this episode, there's a lot of talk about forgiveness, you know, from both Sam and Diane. And I feel like there's a lot of forgiveness in Cheers. Like, there are a lot of people that have huge faults, but there's kind of you know, a warmth overall to the way that they treat each other in the end. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I love about the whole show. And I think that, you know, obviously this is one of the episodes where it really comes to the forefront. Just like a lot of, you know, obviously like a lot of imperfection, most of which is funny, but once in a while you get an episode like this where there's something that's deeper, you know, that they address. Mm-hmm. And then thinking about Sam and Diane, since we always do like to analyze <laughs> them and their relationship, especially this season, um, but for Diane, I would say it seems like forgiveness is kind of a virtue that she seeks to uphold. And we've seen that before, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm kind of thinking of um, the boys in the bar and our discussion of that yeah. back in season one. Mm-hmm that she has the thoughts on morality and the thoughts on the way that she, the people in the bar are treated and equality and so forth, or because that's, you know, something that she thinks is the right thing to do. Like whether or not that's actually a native feeling for her was another, another question. Right. Whereas like in this episode, I think Sam, I think Sam in general is a naturally forgiving person. And I think we see it once he kind of like, once coach knows what's going on, you know, Sam is advocating for forgiveness. I think he's like that, you know, in this episode, and I think that's just his nature throughout the show. And I don't necessarily, and I mean, and again, like, I'm just, I feel like I'm jumping back and forth a lot here, but going back to the boys in the bar, I think it was just more like a natural instinct, like more instinctive for him to want to support his friend in that episode. Yeah. Um, rather than it being this like high virtue that he was trying to maintain. So I don't necessarily think that one is better than the other. I just think that for Sam and Diane, they're very, different in how they express that mm-hmm. i get what you're saying that's, that's a, fair yeah that's i guess like that's the striking thing to me in this episode is the i think it's un, probably unusual for a sitcom to to sort of deal so much with forgiveness of flaws mm-hmm. anything else that you can think of no i'm pretty good that will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Norm, a Cheers podcast. We are co-hosting a weekly discussion of the television show Cheers, which aired on NBC from 1982 to 1993. We're your hosts, Marlene Stimmy and Andy Blaker. How are you doing today, Andy? Hey, Marlene. I'm good. How about you? I can't complain. I'm doing well. And we are nearing the end of season two, if you can believe it. We are on episode 20 of season two of Cheers. And this episode is titled Norman's Conquest. 
after the the Norman conquest, I guess, of England. <laughs> Very clever. It's written by Lissa Levin or Levine. We have not heard from her before, I don't believe. It's directed by James Burroughs and it aired on February 23rd, 1984. And the brief episode summary is that in the midst of more bickering between Sam and Diane, Norm comes into cheers with a new accounting client that seems very appreciative of his company. The guys at the bar and Carla follow their worst instincts in cajoling Norm into having an extramarital affair with Emily, the attractive client. Norm plans to pursue Emily to prove to the guys and Carla that he's not a wuss despite discouragement on moral grounds from both Diane and Sam. So we start with an entirely unrelated teaser. It happens that the golden 80s club of women, a group of older women, is meeting in the back room of Cheers, and Diane is taking a tray of drink refills to them. It's their second round, which should tell us a little something that those <laughs> ladies can handle. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the, I, I, I didn't write that down. I realized that was the, the second round for the golden 80s club, wasn't it? Yes. Man. Yes, it was. <laughs> yep. Everybody is having a second round. Looks like I mean, probably nobody's skimping out. Diane says she's going to take two trips because they're two trays full that Coach has put together for her. And then Carla goads her by saying that Diane is a non-professional. Like, that's a non-professional for you. And Carla says that she got them all in one trip on the last round. So Diane, you know, kind of falls into this. She manages to hold two trays. One, it looks like one is beer and one is... um. Pretty much shots or at least mixed drinks. Yeah. And Coach says that there's one more beer that's not on the tray. And so Diane says it's no problem because Carla offers, that's it, Carla offers to carry it for her. And Diane says that she'll do what the, and I believe the phrase is, noble women of primitive tribal cultures have been doing for centuries and balance the beer on her head. She calls it her noodle. And then as Diane walks, so she gets all this together and she puts the beer on her head. And I assume Shelly Long did all of this. I wonder how many times she had to practice. <laughs> She's walking with two trays and with a beer balanced on her head. And she walks down the hall. <laughs> She's walking down the hall to the pool room. Carla kind of whisper announces, wow, look, it's Lawrence Welk. And all of these older ladies stampede from the pool room. And you know we hear Diane screaming and her drinks knocking over. And they basically run over everybody on their way out to see Lawrence Welk. <laughs> so what did, you, what did you think of our teaser? I liked it. I mean, I thought it was kind of amusing enough. It wasn't like laugh yeah. out loud hysterical to me. I think a better, I, I would have almost, now that I'm, I know that that was the second round of, because, you know, you had beer and you had, like, look like whiskey or bourbon or something. Yes. I would have liked to see into that back room there. I really would have liked to see what was going <laughs> on. But, um, no, it was, it was amusing, you know. It, it's one of those things where it very much is, I, I think, depending on, the generation you are in and you're watching this show because I know who Lawrence Welk is. I mean, I, I have seen mm -hmm. not in any length of time, but I have, I know what kind of show he did, but it was not right. a thing that was on except for like reruns on PBS for me. Um, and it's, right. it's become more of one of those cultural jokes of, Oh, Lawrence Welk, you know, how, whatever. Whereas at mm -hmm. the time it really was a very popular thing so it's interesting to kind of see how it's dated in one sense and how different you know generations might perceive that line because I, I i'm sure there are younger people who don't even know who that is haven't right? heard of it right <laughs> right yeah i i thought the same i thought that it I, I think it's funny because i remember when i was little seeing it was pbs or one of the like i guess when they had like uhf or whatever the you know the stations mm -hmm. that certainly weren't cable that you had to like twist the antenna around and get 
I remember right. seeing like reruns of Lawrence Welk that I don't know, maybe my mom watched them, you know, and she, of course, in the 80s was in the 1980s was certainly not in her 80s. But I, I remember vaguely who Lawrence Welk was just from that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a funny joke that Carla makes. These old people are going to be stampeding to see Lawrence Welk as this popular right. entertainer. You right. Know. And to take Diane down. But it's mainly that and Carla kind of mocking her for being a non-professional. I I thought it was fun and like mildly funny too. Right, exactly. That's what an intro is supposed to do. When we begin the episode, Sam comes out of the office and he's fighting with Diane. And, you know, we don't know where this comes from, of course, because of one episode. You know, stuff happens in between the episodes, I presume, that we are not, of which we're not aware Carla and Cliff are wondering what this particular argument is about. Diane and Sam are insulting each other, and Diane says something about you know, his intelligence, and Sam says something about, like, as usual, you have to take a connecting flight to get to the point. They go back and forth a bit. I assume that this, because it's, it's not really a big plot point in the episode, but I assume it's just to kind of set up that relationship and the constant fighting for the end of the season. Did you have any other thoughts on that part? No, I mean, like, you, it does kind of wonder. You have to catch yourself for a minute and think, okay, now what, what are they fighting about? Like, did I miss something? But then you realize right. it's, it's that what's that phrase? In media res, right? You start in the middle of, mm. I probably butchered that, but you start in the middle of the action, <laughs> right? And, you, and you, it just carries you along and you just have to like, all right, go for it. Mm-hmm. Which makes perfect sense because they're always fighting. So you're always going to be dropping in in the middle of one of their lover's spats. So, yeah, my reaction to this is, you know, I know we're nearing the end of the season. Um, and I'm just kind of like, all right, we'll see what we're in for this time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. At this right. point, you're like, you, you almost don't, I almost don't care. And and I, I don't like mm-hmm. to say that, but it's because it happens so much, you know. It's always that way. So it's like, oh, here's the latest. Right. And it's it's only consequential if they make it consequential. It's usually not something mm-hmm. substantial, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so who knows what it's about. But I do think it allows Carla to get out this great line that she says to the patron at the end of the bar that I think is, I think it's later on we know his name is Alan. I don't remember if they announce him as such in this. But she says, like, my favorite couple, Steve and Edie Amin. Yes. And I thought that that was really good. That was a good <laughs> That's another one. It's a great, yeah, it's a great line. And like you were saying about Lawrence Welk in the teaser, I would hope that that's something that people would understand that joke because it's really a great play on you know Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet were the entertainers and then we have Edie Amin Mm. um, of Uganda the dictator so well you know what's interesting okay (laughs) speaking of again showing our ages speaking again of that I I didn't get the Steve and Edie part for the couple you mentioned I knew who Edie Amin was um Mm -hmm. back in the mid-2000s there was a great film release called The Last King of Scotland with um yes. oh my gosh i'm i'm it's forrest whitaker, forrest whitaker i haven't seen yep. it i've wanted yep. to but it's forrest whitaker that plays Edie. i mean in that. yeah and um so i knew him from that from that film uh, and obviously you know the atrocities that that he was involved with so i got that reference mm-hmm. part but i missed the Stephen Edie that part so i i got half of it i guess <laughs> yeah no but it's like you can kind of pick up on the context because i yeah. i don't remember a ton about that and that was another thing that's like you see in you know like little clips or like variety show clips or whatever but Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet were basically just like song and dance entertainers and always just kind Mm -hmm. of from what I recall like like friendly engaged yeah funny whatever so I I like that combination with Edie I mean and it has just like a hint of the dark humor that I enjoy you know Mm -hmm. when Cheers puts that in there so I thought it was a good Carla comment (laughs) yeah so 
Norm comes in to cheers, and this time he has, which is of course, you know, a usual occurrence, but this time he has someone with him as a client. And Coach asks, could this be Vera? And he's kind of excited about it, because you know, they all are curious about Vera. And then Norm has a comment like, with a lot of expensive surgery, maybe. So. <laughs> that was a great line. This was that was probably the line for the episode for me. Just how you know, again, the delivery of it doesn't miss a beat. Right. You know, it's it's an honest answer to the question. Assessment. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Mm-hmm. And it sets up the episode and what Norm is sort of you know thinking through throughout the episode too. Even though it's just a funny joke at that point. Mm-hmm. So Norm has taken Emily, the client's name, and she has I think a little dress shop on as his latest accounting client. And at some point in this, we learn that Norm is running his business out of the trunk of his car, which I also thought was kind of a a funny point to include, or he says he is, you know, whether that's true or not, who knows. (laughs) At some point, we have this little interlude when Diane hears that Emily is a business person, I guess, and goes over and she's talking to Emily about being proud of women taking their place in society and that women now are equal to or above men. And when I'm listening to Diane, I was looking at this this actress that's playing Emily, and she just looked so befuddled as to why Diane was talking to her, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a very you know quintessential Diane thing to do, right? So in right. that sense, it's it's you know I couldn't help rolling my eyes, but it's also funny. Mm-hmm. It's also you know what's funny to me was the juxtaposition where you know then talking as though she's climbing the corporate ladder right she's a ceo or whatever and um, by no means diminishing her job but then you have the juxtaposition with the guy you know what what does he say um shake it up up over here here. (laughs) (laughs) and just kind of you know knocks her down five notches which you know those lines are when when she gets knocked down a few notches that you can't help but laugh right (laughs) you just can't put her in her place appropriate too yeah because, I don't know, I mean, not to, like, overanalyze it, although that is the fun part of Diane, but it's like she just assumes that another, because it's another woman that is in the business world, that she's going to want to hear what Diane has to say about, like, equality and, you know, a speech right. about that. I don't know. Right. I just thought that that was, it was a funny ending to that scenario. So then Diane excuses herself to go and get a drink for Steve. So Emily asks Norm if he comes to Cheers often. You know, she says she likes Cheers, and then... She defines often, apparently, as two to three times a week, I think. And he says, no, not often. <laughs> no, I don't come here often. So, yeah. Probably on. I mean, if that's if it's only, you know, there was no mention of, like, greater than or less than or anything like that. So Right. Right. He's, it wouldn't be often for him. It would probably be extremely often. So now we get into the really, like, the mood of the bar. Because Cliff mentions that Norm seems friendly with Emily. And, you know, this is when Norm is kind of you know, resisting and saying like, oh, she just brought him to Cheers to celebrate his work with her tax return and so forth. And then two of the other guys, I think it's Alan and then Tim, kind of goad Norm and they're making these like comments and making these kind of sexual accounting jokes, you know, mm-hmm. um, which are kind of like funnily offensive, I guess. Like, have you gone over her figure? Does she have sizable assets and so forth? Right. And just making these kinds of jokes. And Cliff joins in. And then so does Carla, you know. And Norm is laughing, but he's just, you know, he's also protesting. This is just a nice lady that brought him to Cheers to show him a little appreciation. It's interesting, too, because we've we've looked at episodes when the bar sort of turns into this kind of mob mentality. And you can kind of see it starting already at the beginning of this episode, or at this point in the episode. Mm-hmm. Then the guys and Carla are telling Norm that Emily's interested in him. And at this point, Sam hasn't really said anything. 
But they ask Sam, and he says that she he thinks that Emily is scouting Norm's territory. Mm-hmm. And he's I thought he was just saying it in an honest way. I didn't think that he was joining in with the other guys. I thought he was just saying it, you know, in a straightforward assessment. Yeah, that's how I took it. Because you know he doesn't he doesn't you know say it with the uh, the enthusiasm that every you know he doesn't join in like this this loud like taunting or whatever you want to call it he just offers mm-hmm. his judgment of the situation because this is where he's uh he's introduced as what the resident uh, expert on womanology is that the term they use <laughs> yes. right after coach you know assumes they're talking to him he's like well I don't really consider myself. <laughs> I like that part, by the way. I liked how he just right. jumped in on that and made that yeah. his moment. That was great. Yeah. Just because he happened to be in the vicinity and they brought it up. It's like, well, I haven't really considered myself. <laughs> Diane tells Norm to ignore these blather skites. So she gets in one of her fancy words there. Oh, man. Um, Some of the vocabulary in this episode. That phrase. And there was another one. I can't remember exactly what the word was. But, yeah, she got she got some real archaic language in i mean i didn't even know some of what was the word skite skite it's black i looked it up it's blather skites skites it's just someone basically that goes on and on about nothing of consequence that was a new term to me so you oh, know me too. Hey, I learned well i've something. heard it but i'm sure i've heard it i'm sure i've remembered it from seeing this episode in the past though yeah coach comments he has an interesting thing to say it says the emptiness of their lives talking about the men in the bar and Carla, the emptiness of their lives causes them to cast aspersions on your own. You know, and he has these kind of grand gestures that he's making as he's saying it. And Diane turns around and looks at him and she looks sort of surprised that Coach came up with this. <laughs> but she just says, you can say that again, Coach. And then his very honest reply is like, no, I can't, Diane. Yeah, I wrote that one down. That was a, that yeah. was a good moment between the two of them. It really was, but it's almost like he was just so inspired in this moment that he had this very wise and, you know, literate thing to say, but he knows, he's like, no, I couldn't say that again. And he's like, what in the hell did I just say? Yeah, it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> We're like, right, right, right. So this whole time, Emily has been sitting at the little table, kind of like the far table by herself, and Norm finally goes back to join her. And she says something that's just, it's very friendly, like overly friendly, but not necessarily suggestive, I would say. It's like, there you are. I've been getting lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, to me, it's hard to tell through the episode what she is about. And I don't think it's the point, but I think it's difficult to tell what her intentions are. Mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts on that? I mean, at this point in time, I agree with you on that. I think it becomes clearer, mm-hmm you know, middle of the episode when, when, um, you know, they, they leave together, um, yeah, her behavior toward him. But yeah, I agree at this moment, it, it, she's just being friendly. You know, I mean, the fact mm-hmm. is he brought her here and, and now she's sitting alone at the table in a place she's never been. He's over there. I mean, within eyesight, that's the part that gets me. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, we're reading into it, but she's sitting there watching him, you know, wondering what in the hell he's doing, you know, <laughs> going back right. and forth, this whole circus thing. And yeah, that would be very awkward to watch. So all that to say, yeah, I mean, her demeanor, you know, she's just being friendly at this point. So right. he's obviously been kind of revved up by all the other guys doing their teasing and taunting and whatever. And so now he's going to read into everything, which he does. He's pretty much persuaded that she's after him yeah. just based on, like you said, being revved up, I think from the guys. And then you know, Cliff is talking about, he says, told Sam he should, Norm, that he, Norm should act like the man that he is and submit to her every demand. <laughs> As though she's some sort of dominatrix. Dominatrix type. Yes, yeah. exactly. I know. Exactly. exactly. Well, well, they're just, I mean, they're, they're just kind of all 
you know, getting themselves all hot and bothered, right? I mean, they're, they're just yes. they're constructing this whole fantasy out, sitting around the bar, and it, it's what they do. I mean, you know, and I like what you said about the mob mentality because, again, it, it's a it's a not to the level that we've seen in past episodes, but it is there. It's it's part of this idea that mm-hmm. they, there's this energy that they all just keep feeding off each other. They all keep talking and brewing this whole thing up, and he gets swept right along, along into it. Yeah, and it is. It's kind of a fantasy that they're discussing, but then they're not – I don't know if they're uh, – they're not realizing that it is reality for him because Mm -hmm. it's wife, you know, and a life outside of this or whatever. But yeah, they think they're definitely getting swept up into him acting on this. Mm -hmm. And after Cliff says that, you know, Norm makes a crack about wanting an opinion from someone that's had a date this century. So he sort of, you know, shuts Cliff down on that count. Yeah. And Sam asks, I think it was interesting that Sam asked Norm if he had told Emily that he's married. So Sam, I feel like he has kind of has his eye on what's going on the entire time, Mm -hmm. even though he's not saying much. And, you know, Norm makes this joke about, he says several things, and he says, like, his wedding ring is out there for everyone to see, and then he says, in that pawn shop on Boylston Street. <laughs> and everybody, I think it's, it's just funny. Yeah. But it's yeah. like a Norm joke about his marriage, you know, and the guys laugh. Diane tells Norm that this woman probably believes that Norm's joke, believes his jokes, and thinks that he doesn't care about his wife, which is not a great excuse, but I mean, it's, it's possible that someone could read that in there, I guess. Right. And then the guys at the bar that were telling Norm not to listen to Diane and saying, like, how many chances do you get? And go for it, be a man, all of this. Mm-hmm. Which, there's no point in talking about <laughs> the immorality of that, because Diane pretty much gets at that for us, I think. She kind of, you know, represents, like, what people are most likely, I would hope, thinking at that point. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So she's admonishing them for recommending, she's like, you're encouraging Norman to commit adultery. You know, Carl is talking about how it happens all the time, and she compares it to Dynasty, you know? <laughs> I'm talking about TV shows, which is another, it's funny, that's like another reference that would be dated to that time, but that most people, I think, still know. Mm-hmm. And, the, and she calls Diane the stick, you know, it's her nickname for Diane. But it's interesting, too, that Carla's talking about how it happens all the time. So she's not making some sort of comment on whether it's right or wrong, but just that that's how things go, you know. Yeah. What Carla sees in her life, I guess. I I like how they're already kind of being set up, you know. Again, as in previous episodes where, you know, the term, I, I don't know if it exactly fits here, but I think in some ways like a morality play, right? You have the, the, yes. the characters taking taking these positions. You have Carla, you have Cliff, you have the other, you know, kind of nameless, or at least I don't remember their names, <laughs> the, guy, the bar, yeah. guys at the bar <laughs> right, right. who are on this side. Then you have Diane who's taking the, you know, the, 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 the moral, you know, stand, the whole right thing to do. Uh, Sam kind of just kind of, watching over silent observer you know um so i mm-hmm. like how they're kind of fitting into those roles and they cheer cheering for their side you know the the devil and the angel on the shoulder kind of thing so i mean i like yeah. i thought i thought they handled that that part well yeah i do too because you can kind of see where everyone is camping you know and why and so forth mm-hmm. like they're, where their positions are staked and at some point in this when they're all kind of you know carrying on with norm norm asks what sam thinks and Sam says he thinks it's stupid. Well, he kind of pauses, I think. And then he says it's stupid to jump into bed with somebody you're working with. So I thought yeah. that that was his sort of safe answer, you know, without mm-hmm. going into right or wrong or whatnot. But, um, of course, Diane, who's right next to him, kicks him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then makes a joke about him being dumb and so forth. So I don't remember what Sam said back to her, but it was, you know, trying to get himself out of the fact that, you know, he's jumped into bed with her. and So... Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a truthful line, 
You know, the man mm, is, is thinking. True. Feelings aside, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> it's it's introduced right. a lot of complications. He was just, yeah, I mean, he true. was stating a fact. But <laughs> it is it is a fact. It's That's true. Yeah. And it is another reason for Norm, I mean, aside from the you know infidelity aspect, you know, Sam has come up with a, another <laughs> accurate reason for Norm to avoid the situation. Right. And so the guy that, you know, I'm going to call Alan, because I think that that is his name, asks Norm if he finds Emily attractive, and he says he does. And so then the younger guy, or well, I guess he's younger, Steve, pushes Norm into doing something. He's kind of like actually shoving him <laughs> over a door at Emily. And at some point, Cliff says he'll take charge because it wouldn't be sinful for him. You know, as though, I was thinking with that, it's like as though Emily wants like any old man like Cliff would do. If she's interested in Norm, she'd certainly be interested in Cliff. Right, she's just going to throw herself at anyone that's available. I mean, you know, they're, right. they're making all that, those sorts of assumptions, you know, and. Yeah. 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 And then, Nor- or, sorry, Diane puts herself in the, in the path there. She wants Norm to call Vera. And she has some, what was, I don't remember the phrase she used now. The line about, you know, the beloved, but there was some other highbrow way she described Norm's call to Vera. Yeah, well, and that was probably a word I didn't know before. <laughs> that was that's what I was referring to. It's one of her, her, her outrageous vocabulary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember what it so, was. But yeah, I mean, it was a very, you know, ornate way of saying something's rather simple. <laughs> right, right. So Norm calls, and it sounds like he's leaving a message on an answering machine uh, just by, he's kind of telegraphing what he's saying, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, in fact, he says he was speaking to Vera. And just, <laughs> like, line, 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 yep. okay, hang up, that's it. Yep, that was um, good. Yeah. So then Carla comes in, and Carla seems to always be the, you know, she's like the provocateur or the like the little devil that's going to keep something going or yeah. I don't, whatever. But she says that Norm will lose Emily as a client if he doesn't do what she wants. So she's come up with another reason mm-hmm. for Norm to pursue Emily. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Because I, think, I think Carla, when they have these situations where it is a morality play and where the kind of camaraderie in the bar... You know, on those rare occasions when it turns negative, I would say it's usually Carla in this sort of role where she role where she is the one that's doing the kind of the provoking, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then Diane says, <laughs> this is a fun coach part. I'm sure that you mm-hmm. probably remember this. Diane says, if Norm were a woman, that we'd have a name for you. <laughs> and do you remember what coach said? Um, it was Becky, right? I, I kind of like Becky. I kind of like Becky. Well, and then he, he goes on a little bit. He's, he yes. says something like, um, I know it's, I know, uh, I, I'm going to butcher it, but Norma I know that you would think closer. it was Norma because, uh, you know, yeah. all you have to do is add the UH. <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't catch that on the first watch. I watched this episode twice um, and I did not yeah. catch that until the second go around. And I'm so glad I did because, again, blink and you miss it. It was a great, it was a great little right. thing buried in there. Isn't that the thing? You have to kind of see it more than once. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you sort of, I guess after that, you maybe expect that it's coming. You know that if Coach starts talking, or really if anyone starts talking, like the one joke isn't necessarily the final joke. So there might be mm-hmm. another part coming, which yeah. is totally, he takes it away from the conversation. Like it goes off the rails because now he's <laughs> pontificating on like, well, I know Norma is going to be closer. You have to add a UH. But it's like, yeah. I thought that was a perfect coach inclusion in the episode. Mm-hmm. They gave him a lot to do here. Again, in, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's kind of also not really in the crowd. He's kind of just behind the bar with Sam watching, but he gets some real good lines. Yeah. So the guys keep harassing Norm 
about backing out, you know, and because Norm really doesn't want to have an affair with Emily. And Sam tells the guys to lay off, which they then do, you know, to a degree. Mm-hmm. They sort of respect his, um, what he says. But then they're, they you know, start mocking him again for not cheating on Vera. And they're singing some song. Like Cliff leads the guys in singing. It's something like Yes, Dear, which I don't... I, I didn't it's know that It's like song. another old-fashioned, you know, different era thing. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it before. I mean, you, you, you pick up on it just from the context clues. Basically, mm-hmm. the idea that this guy's just kind of tail between his legs, subservient, you know, yes, dear, you know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I didn't yeah. know what that song was referring to. I hadn't heard that before. And then it's interesting, too, that Cliff is the one that's instigating this. And Cliff is sort of, you know, he's supposed to be kind of above the pale as Norm's best friend. But we've mm-hmm. seen, you know, fairly recently that he's not always the greatest of friends. So I guess that's sort of his vice. I suppose, or his temptation. He, um, he, he, so he's not you know, standing kind of, from, aside from the fray. Right. Group mentality, right? He kind of just, you know, mm-hmm. gets, a, gets a reaction. He's going to go for it and get swept away into it, I think. So Norm doesn't want to be seen as a wuss, most of all. You know, I think that's the thing that bothers him. So Emily, who's been pretty much ignored this entire time, is leaving. And I understand that. Again, I mean, you know, like we were talking about, he's watching, she's watching Norm... And these other men that she doesn't know, basically, like, laughing and carrying on. And she's just sitting there not knowing anyone. So regardless of any other dynamic, like, that would be mm-hmm. pretty isolating. Sure. And Norm, but I think, I mean, Norm realizes that. He realizes that it was rude to be, that it was rude of him to be spending time with his friends and he's ignoring her. And I think in general that Norm is, I think Norm is a good friend to women, you know, without any other, any other subtext or anything like that. I think that he's just a thoughtful person and he tends to, like, you know, have women that, enjoy his company not necessarily like in a romantic way you know as develops in this but i just think that you know he's a, a i don't i don't know i think he, that he is a good character a good man that women like to talk to mm-hmm. and in this it just got to be too much or more than that but i think that this this him understanding that you know she was ignored or whatever kind of goes into that this might be the earliest you know example of that or one of the earliest examples but i just i see that as part of his character but I also wonder, too, like the whole thing of him ignoring her, you know, or not even ignoring her because he's talking about her, but like trying to figure out what to do. But he's off with the guys. It kind of parallels like what we know of his relationship with his wife, with Vera. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's off at Cheers and she's at home. And then he has this other woman at Cheers and he's still off with the guys on the other side of the bar. Right. So yeah. I think it illuminates, too, the conversation that um, we find later in the episode um, we between Norm and Sam. I don't want to jump ahead, but you know he kind of sheds some mm-hmm. light on his relationship with his wife and his history and everything. And when yeah. you learn that, and you think, oh, this guy just he doesn't know how to behave around women because I think that that's you know by episodes end you have a little more light shed when you look back on this kind of moment. Yeah, that's a great point too. So Emily invites Norm to her place for dinner, and he agrees to go. And so Diane is kind of watching in you know mild horror. And Sam runs up and whispers Norm and kind of catches him and tells him he doesn't have to go through with this if he doesn't want to, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a, it was a moderate approach. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Sam's overall philosophy is that he wants what's best for people, but he doesn't want to tell them how to live their lives. So he seems to have, like, he does not want Norm to do this, but he's not going to tell him what to do. Unlike Diane, who has a far more overt, you know, moral stance that she's going <laughs> to tell Norm about. Yeah. And then... 
we had the joke about Norm asking Sam if there have been any innovations in the women's undergarment industry since 1965. So, which, I mean, that again, like, tells you, you know, a bit about Norm. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So when we come back, I think that's the, the break, and then we come back, you know, Diane is disappointed in Norm, and then Cliff goes on this jag about she doesn't understand men and that the human male wasn't designed to be monogamous. And he says something about, like, a man can never have enough women. And Carla is like, or in your case, any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't know, I think that's an interesting discussion, too, that this whole, like, understanding of men and, like, is the human male monogamous and so forth, like, throughout the episode. Because, I don't know, I just, I think it's, it's funny the way that that comes up among the characters. And Cliff saying this, of course, is very ironic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Sam is talking about, tell, telling Diane not to be too hard on Norm and that Norm hasn't had that much experience and he got swept away and all of this. Yeah. I like that Sam understands people's lives and their moral failings. He's not always like the most morally upright person, but I think that he is probably first in understanding people's, you know, motivations and feelings and so forth. Yeah. So. Willing to give I people mean, usually the benefit of the doubt, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's really like the perfect person to own a bar in terms of, mm-hmm. of that yeah. understanding of human nature. And so from this, we get into this discussion of, you know, Diane says she's almost grateful that Sam has had as much sexual experience as he's had. And that their relationship, you know, if it remains as strong and vital as it is now, that he's going to have no need for sexual experience with another woman. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot to go through in that because mm-hmm. she's saying how strong and vital the relationship is, but they started the episode fighting. We've seen many times that she's, you know, talked about the relationship, but it's it seems to be kind of on the fray. And then, you know, she's telling him he's not going to have any need for sexual experience with another woman. It's like his entire history suggests otherwise, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack there because, again, yeah, she's given a line that it's like, what. Uh, 13 minutes ago you know, when the episode started you know right <laughs> where were we um so yeah it, it's i don't know you can't keep up with those two right and she just like wants to have this idea this belief that the relationship is strong and vital no matter what's going on she's going mm-hmm. to have that almost the i don't know i don't know that it's the opposite but it's almost like she has this fantasy of this relationship the same way the guys in the bar are creating this like fantasy of some debauched situation you know for norm with this client of his mm-hmm. like none neither of them are living in the real world so sam is you know talking about he's kind of like in the state of i would say like negative wonderment like never thinking that diane would be the last woman and he's like what if she died or went insane or didn't age that well <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was funny <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's not sensitive but it's funny yeah. And then he has this whole imagination of being in an airplane that went down someplace in South America, and he's taken captive by, he says, a tribe of huge women that forced <laughs> him to be their sex slave. <laughs> yeah, he, he really just goes deep into this one here. And it's funny that, I mean, it's not the point of it, but I think it's funny that he's, like, fantasizing about a tribe of huge women and that he's their slave rather than, like, he's the one in control, you mm-hmm. know. He's just thinking about enjoying... This time in South America is the sex yep. slave. <laughs> <laughs> Much to Diane's dismay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that face yeah. of utter, like, horror or confusion here, you know? This would have been the chance yeah. for her to get a real good one line in. I mean, he has a good line, you know, be realistic. But um, yes, I, I was yes, expecting her to have a, 
you know, throw him a real witty kind of comeback here because it was the perfect setup for it. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Earlier, we had Norm calling Vera and leaving his, his message, you know, directly to her and that he'd be reached to cheers, you know. And so Coach is wondering, like, well, what, what should we do if Vera calls back and asks where Norm is? And this is really, this entire thing is a good Coach scene, I think. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, like, he has some great parts in the episode that's really not about him. He has a lot to carry and does it well. So, you know, Carlos suggests that they're going to tell Vera that Norm went to a movie with Coach. And Coach is like, oh, that's nice. Norm and I haven't been out together in a long time. So he's kind of enjoying this fantasy of like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then immediately the phone rings. Do you have that, anything about this part? Yeah, he just, he just uh, completely panics, picks up the phone. Something like, um, <laughs> I can't lie, Mrs. Peterson. Norm's out. <laughs> yeah, I can't go through with it. Yeah. <laughs> just panics. Like, Norm's out with a dame. Well, out with a dame. dame. Yeah. Again, yeah. back to like the 1940s or whatever. <laughs> that was hilarious. I thought that was great. He just picked mm-hmm. up the phone. Like it's been building up inside him, you know, right. the way he behaved. And just, yeah. For, I can't go for 13 it. seconds, right? <laughs> you just can't hold <laughs> right. it. So Carly grabs the phone from him. And then Cliff tells Coach that this is a funny line from Cliff. And this is one of the moments when I really like Cliff is when he says things like this. He says, like, if you've been at the Alamo, we'd all be wearing sombreros. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's witty, it's historical trivia that Cliff specializes in, and it's just like a fun little inclusion in the episode. What we learn, though, from what Carla says, is that that was Emily, Norm's client, calling, and that he never showed up at her apartment, basically. So he's neither with her, nor is he back at Cheers. Mm -hmm. That he dropped her off at her apartment, went to park the car, and then hasn't been seen in two hours, basically. Yeah. The guy that we're calling Alan spots Norm coming down the stairs and tells everyone to act like they're like they don't know anything mm-hmm. norm comes in you know and he's kind of all like untucked his tie is untied <laughs> you know he's dragging his jacket along <laughs> staggering about um, which is like it's it's like what i would think a man would behave like that it doesn't know at all what he's doing but wants to look like he's <laughs> yeah <laughs> what he's doing. grossly exaggerating like the situation half, right yeah right and like partially yeah yeah mm-hmm. and he's going on about she's an animal and how he had to climb out the fire escape and so forth and this is the part that gets i think even i would say meaner i don't know how else to describe that because the guys are talking about how they want to hear all those details and mm-hmm. you know so forth and carla says to shut up and let him talk and it's just this kind of mob mentality and norm is usually you know kind of like the favored one i would say like the popular one in the bar but they've all found this weakness in him and they're going yeah. after him mm-hmm. I, th- yeah i mean the mob mentality basically they're gonna just mm-hmm. not let him live it down what, what is the line right before he walks in i think there was a line or maybe i'm getting it out of order but he says um one of the guys i don't know his name at the bar says we're not gonna let him forget it he you know i yeah. you remember that part yeah, I know what you're talking about, that they weren't going to let him either, like, forget it or live it down, like, you know, that he's... But it's almost like that he's done something to them by not going right. through with this affair I think it's her. I think it's when Diane says, oh, I'm proud of Norman or whatever, you know, I mm-hmm. think that's when he says it. So he comes in, he has a hickey, he shows them this hickey that he has, supposedly, <laughs> and he's bragging, and everybody's, you know, egging him on, and then Coach kind of steps in, and this is kind of like the wise you know, coach the wise old man archetype yeah. says like, Norm, I hate to see you make a fool of yourself. And he says, that Emily called and told us that you didn't show up and so forth. So I think he's really trying to inform him before he gets too far into things. But then Carla adds in like, and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just this dark, spiteful way that she says it. It's kind of the, again, like this flip of the usual atmosphere of tears. Right. And then Norm is kind of sputtering. He's making excuses that Emily wasn't going to brag about it. I really like the way that this scene was played because he, Norm is starting to make these excuses that like, what do you, what, what do you expect for her to, you know, brag about it? And the gang, the rest of the guys are kind of dispersing. Coach looks really pained that this is happening at all. And then Sam kind of quietly walks out from around the bar and pats Norm on the arm and tells him to come back and talk to him in the pool room. And Norm is still trying to show off. He's like, big guy wants some pointers now, you know. So he's carrying on. But I just thought like everybody's reaction was really perfect in that Mm -hmm. scene. I agree. And I like Sam here in this role. Like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't let it progress too much. And he just, you know, says, let's go talk. Like he just immediately steps in. I I liked how Mm -hmm. they portrayed him there. I do too. I definitely do. Yeah, it was like his kind of quiet friendship and leadership. Mm-hmm. And then we do have this, like, before we get to the pool room scene, I have this one moment when Cliff is, you know, talking. He says, like, what a pathetic display. I'm ashamed God made me a man. <laughs> and Carla, oh, this is so good. It's like, I don't think God's doing a lot of bragging about it <laughs> Yeah, that was a great <laughs> line. That was a really great line. I think that's just the, the again with like we were talking about the timing of these things, but the way that like he spoke and then she just like fired right back. Mm-hmm. That's one of her best lines, I think. Her best cut downs. That's so yeah. funny. So we have this scene. To me, the scene in the pool room is like the heart of the entire episode. I think it's like fairly detailed, but it's you know, mm-hmm. kind of a calm scene. What overall did you what are your thoughts on this? I really like I really like this scene. I liked how again, this is a great example of where they, they, they um the writers, I think, and the actors balance the comedic with the, the, the more drama, the more sentimental kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, I really liked it. And I really liked how it made, how sincere the character was here. Norm, I thought. Mm-hmm. I like that friendship between Sam and Norm as well. It's not a direct follow-up on the no help wanted, you know, when mm-hmm. Norm wants to be Sam's accountant and they have that scene in Sam's office when Norm is also kind of honest with Sam and they kind of have like a moment between them. And this is, it's, this is more than that, but I think it's a, I think it's a good follow up on that friendship and just that they're two different types of men. And I like that Sam recognizes that and is able to tell Norm that and tell him that he basically like respects him or admires him, whatever it was he said, you know, when he says that he like, Norm was talking about how he loves his wife and Sam thinks that's wonderful and so forth. And it just came across as very sincere. Mm-hmm. I just thought this was a really well-done, well-crafted part. And I like, too, even the way that it's staged or, like, the way that, what it, I don't know how you, what you would call that, but, like, Sam is kind of, like, leaning over the pool table, his legs spread out, so he's kind of in a, it's almost like a listening position. Like, he's not upright and tall and so forth, and he's playing with the pool balls while Norm is talking, and I just thought, I don't know, so there's something, like, very receptive about that. Mm-hmm. And Sam talking about how meaningless affairs aren't all they're cracked up to be. And of course, they have these jokes about, like, do you think they made me happy? And Norm's like, ecstatic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Sam was like, well, that's true, but like, you're a different kind of man. <laughs> and I like that Sam, for all of his bravado, I think he does, doesn't necessarily expect other men to be like he is. Well, I like that about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the whole thing with the confession. And Sam is like, oh, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> he's uncomfortable with these confessions. But at the same time, he's like a little bit impressed or more than a little bit impressed by it mm-hmm. so yeah i really like that and there's a moment too i don't know if you noticed this when norm is holding one of the the pool balls and he hasn't kind of been a grip like a like, like pitching a baseball it's when they're talking about 
yeah, how Sam Sam is kind of he seems like bemused at Normax like he's confessing to a crime, and they're talking about. Sam says he can only speak for himself. He thinks it's wonderful that Norm loves his wife. But like while he's saying that, he's kind of correcting the way that Norm's holding the pool ball and it makes a hand motion like he's you know, pitching, mm. I guess like a curveball. And it's just a little gesture that makes it even more realistic, I thought. I didn't even notice it. So, I mean, it's that's... Great. It's so great. That's it's interesting, great. though, just hearing about that part of, of, <laughs> yeah, of the subtleties it, it there. Yeah, it seem... Mm-hmm, ex- that's exactly it. It's a subtlety that just makes it seem like there are these two guys that are having this conversation... He's in this character as this former pitcher. He's showing Norm how to hold the pool ball, just like he's telling him that he respects this relationship that he has and so forth. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot we could say about the scene, but to me it's like one of the, the so far the best scenes in the series. Mm-hmm. And certainly one of the best like scenes between two characters, or one of my favorites at least. Yeah. Then, of course, we get into the joke, but it's even like through the sort of sincerity of Sam admitting that he envies Norm and he used to think that there were more women he conquered the more it make him a man and he's looking for the right one and Norm's like no you can Diane and talking about like they broke the mold when they made her and tried to pretend like it was an accident so <laughs> that was a fun line was a fun it was one. great it was so great and how like guys are afraid of being wusses you know this is Norm's mm-hmm. idea and someone has to pay for that it might as well be the woman and Sam's like Amen. And I was like, why am I so sympathetic to this viewpoint? <laughs> or at least that humor. Because I'm, I'm really very much on their side about this. Mm-hmm. And then Diane comes in. And she says that she overheard everything by listening from the women's bathroom. And she's describing how, like, if you wet, was it like if you wet your ear and hold it up in a certain way that you can hear it, what's being, or hear a detail of what's being said or something like that. And then I was like, oh, this is why I'm sympathetic to Norm and Sam is because, like, this is what, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what they have to deal with. Right. I don't know. Like, it just seemed a little intrusive to me that Diane would come in at that point, even though she's very complimentary of Norm. It was. It was. Her, it's just her way of butting in. I mean, that's immediately mm-hmm. what I thought. I mean, it's not a bad part what she says or anything like that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's at that first moment of, oh, here she goes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So they're talking about how the guys in the bar are waiting for Norm to lower himself to their level. And what was, there was a line that Norm has about his marriage being his most prized possession and next to his Honda Civic, his only possession. <laughs> he's kind of fired up now from talking to Sam. And he's going to stride in the bar and tell everyone that he loves his wife. And so Sam and Diane hug, and they're kind of, you know, hoping for the best for Norm. And then the guys mock him again. He starts making jokes and so forth. And Norm comes back and gets his... I guess it's his jacket to do some sort of impersonation of his wife. <laughs> and then we had this moment, you know, and he kind of tells Sam and Dad, like, oh, shut up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> Sam goes from like looking like he really wants Norm to stand up to the guys. He's kind of playing with his hair. He's kind of fidgeting. And then he says like, oh, I want to see this. And it's like, he runs out to the bar to see Norm make the joke. So. <laughs> I really liked this though. I, I liked, I, I, I liked how this ended really well. It was a great mm-hmm. ending everything about it this whole backs this whole scene in the back room i thought um because i do i like norm for how sincere i think you really this is where you really get an unexpected side to him you know that yeah he makes the Mm -hmm. jokes but that's that's what he does it doesn't mean he doesn't you know love his wife 
it's, it's 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 part of it's his routine it's it's the gag you know and he makes that point about how you don't hear guys talking about how you know marital bliss in a bar right it's like this almost right. this, this drive to play a role you know and and he's just assuming his role among among the guys and that's all it is to him really mm-hmm. so i liked how it illuminated some of that i really i like that a lot I do too. And I like that he understands that. Like he's, he knows that that's what he's doing. And I think that at this point in the series, it's, it's good that we know that Norm is, there's something underneath him making these jokes about his wife. Mm-hmm. And it lightens the ending too, him running out there and then Sam running out there. <laughs> kind of like, they're yeah. still going to do their thing. Right. You know, and Diane's left in the back. <laughs> yeah, I really, overall, I love that last act in the the pool room the episode overall i can't say it's one of my favorites but i don't know if that's just because of the content because i think it's well done and i think coach of course as we've discussed is really well played too Mm -hmm. so yeah what were your what's your overall impression overall i really like this episode actually um Mm -hmm. i really did uh and again as we're nearing the end i'm kind of keeping a mental list in my mind of you know what do i consider higher points of the season this back room scene certainly one of the higher points i i don't know i'd probably rank this episode higher up on my list honestly i'll have to think mm-hmm. it through but um i liked it i enjoyed it i mean yeah there's there there were parts for sure so i understand what you're saying but when i think back on the whole i i think i just enjoyed so many of the moments that for me it it, it makes a good a good part a good whole episode I agree. I agree because I think it's it's a complete episode by the end. Yeah. It's not something that leaves me like, oh, why did they do this or whatever? Like, I really do think it was well put together and it's probably one of my top ones too. Yeah. We'll see. That will do it for us today. You can find us on Facebook, Norm, a Cheers podcast, and on Twitter at Cheers underscore Norm. You can listen to or download old and new episodes at the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and Spotify. Leave us a like and comment and join in on our community there. Thanks so much for listening.